All right, folks, welcome to week 11 of the Take the Points college football podcast. We have to get right into football. We don't have a lot of time for Connor Stallions talk and uh, other nonsense this week because there's so many good games. Let me toss to my co-host Dan Partridge in his new mustache. Dan, week 10 takeaways, what do you got? Uh, Washington USC uh, flew over the total as expected. Washington's offense looked really good, albeit against the final game that Mr. Grinch was a part of, finally. Um, Nice to see him fired. Um, Kansas State almost came back and beat Texas and then screwed it up at the end, so that was interesting. Um, Alabama uh, beat LSU. Every LSU game goes over, by the way, so um, just go ahead and bet that for the rest of the year. Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State, as expected. Um, Oklahoma State somehow 7-2 and two and can still win the conference, which is crazy. Uh, Oklahoma now has two losses, which actually sounds right. Um, Clemson beat Notre Dame. Both teams are average, so home field makes kind of sense there. And, uh, yeah, besides that, it was a really fun week, and there's a ton of games this week. Um, really looking forward to Saturday. All right, we will get into the lines in just a second, but I would be remiss if I did not throw it over to my other co-host, Ryan Spillett, who has a very important topic he'd like to talk about. Ryan, the coaching expert, Spillett, what do you want to say? Oh, we'll get into that later. I just had some other things I wanted to talk about real oh, quick. Oh, I assume this was off. Alex Grinch related, but go ahead. No, I just wanted to make sure that the other schools that had good weeks were mentioned and not just from the power conference elitist that Dan seems to be only talking about power conferences. Yes, Washington USC flew over the total, but you know what else flew over the total? The same team I tell you every damn week, that would be Memphis. Can you people please wake up 59-50 against South Florida? Like, come on, guys. We got to get going here. And we also would not be – we would be remiss to, to, to not mention we had our first whiteout blizzard maction of the, of the year. Uh, you know, so it is truly football season now that we've had a – a blizzard snow game and some midweek maction that signals the real start of college football. There's also another um, non-power five team that we definitely need to talk about. That's having an exciting, exceptional season. However, they will be playing a team that's close to all our hearts this week. So we'll get to that one in a little bit. All right. Do you want to say something about Alex Grinch or should we just move on? He's been covered. We covered him in the tarmac last week, and sayonara, we'll get to him later. All right, Dan, week 11. Let's get right into it. There's so much to talk about. Where are we going to start? Okay, we're going to talk college football, but at the end of the segment, I want to ask you guys a question. I'm going to give you some time to think about it. I want you to name what your favorite um, – what was your favorite thing that you received for either Christmas or a birthday in your lifetime? And I want to talk about it because I forgot about one uh, that you gave me, Tom. And uh, I laughed really hard the other day and I want to talk about it at the end of the show. So think about what the, your favorite gift is that you've ever received. 
All right, I'll think. And and by the way, I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm going to be surprised by your comment as well. Okay, good. So you have about 45 minutes to uh, figure that out. Okay, let's go. Um, Thursday, Friday, hang out with the family because Saturday there's a lot to get to. So let's go right to Saturday. Usually if there's a big Penn State game, early on Saturday. I like to tease Tom and do five other games first, but I won't this week. Michigan and their scandal travels to Happy Valley. Michigan laying four and a half, total 44 and a half. Third ranked Michigan with no good wins to this point. Um, Let me just review their murderer's row schedule. Best team they've beaten, UNLV? I think UNLV is the best team they've beaten. Um, that's we talked not we talked about it about five or six weeks ago that this would be their first actual decent test. It's November eleventh. Yeah. November eleventh. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Rutgers. Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. That's without yeah. a doubt the easiest schedule in the whole country. I mean, oh yeah, and we knew this it, going in. Rutgers is their quality win, by the way. That's their best win. Great, and that that's a joke. Um, so Tom, four and a half at Penn State. Can James Franklin finally have a big win on his resume? <laughs> I think he's got one. Right, they beat Michigan once a few years ago. I don't count that. So let's see, can, can he get it done this week or do you need the four and a half or are you staying away because you think Michigan's covering? I think the Michigan's going to crush them, sadly. I think the Michigan's going to win this game by at least 10 points and probably a lot more. I hate this matchup for Penn State. I It's in Happy Valley, so that helps. Penn State's defense always keeps them in every game, so that helps. But I struggle to see them sticking with this for four quarters. Michigan matches up perfectly against Penn State, and it's why Michigan has crushed Penn State, I think, three of the last four years. Their run game matches up nicely. Now, Chop Robinson practiced this week, but I'm still skeptical he's going to play meaningful minutes. He would be a game changer as their best defensive player. I'm assuming he's not going to play very much. I think Michigan's just going to run it and you're going to see a close game, low scoring, maybe take like a first half under and eventually Michigan's offensive line and running backs are just going to wear Penn state down. And Penn state is mostly the reason I think Michigan wins big is because Penn state will not move the ball against Michigan defense. I just, I struggle to see them putting up. I think 17 points is the max. I think it's going to be more like 13, 14, I'm just, believe me, I hate saying this. Uh, the only th- the only thing would be if this cheating scandal has helped them way more than anyone knows and they come out and they look like the 7-5 seven, seven Michigan team of several years ago. If, if the cheating was the only thing that's made them good for the last couple of years. But even though it's a huge advantage and they are cheaters, I don't think that's the only reason they're good, if that makes sense. So they've got that. They've got the, you know, pissed off, looking for vengeance, us against the world mentality, even though, again, they are cheaters and they should only be pissed at themselves for being cheaters. 
Uh, I do think they're going to win out and make the playoff. And I think they win 31 to 14. Ryan. Um, <clears throat> that's interesting, Tom. I, uh, I see where you're coming from. I definitely understand that angle. However, there's one other thing that I think is, is not just directly can I tied to the cheating scandal, but is semi connected. Have you guys seen the latest on this Connor stallions situation? Do you know who he has the, a the vacuum sales business? You mean, yeah. The Blake Corum, uh, partnership that they're co like owners of a business together. And now Blake Corum's claiming he had nothing to do with it, even though there's Instagram posts of him, like posing with cars and shit. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I'm just trying to predict the game. I can get into my, when you guys are done, I'll get into my thoughts on the scandal overall. I, I mean, I think they are, are massive cheaters to put it lightly. I just think that that matters. I think the fact that the best player on Michigan's team and the basis of their entire identity which is running the ball is just, I just think that's interesting that he's dealing with this right now where he's now, you know, spending all his free time talking to his lawyers, trying to figure out a way to PR spin this situation when he should be worrying about the game. And so for me, I think that's going to indicate a, a massive under, I think this game is going to be sloppy. I think it's going to be ugly and I wish I could confidently pick Penn State. I can't because I just don't know if they're going to take the leash off of Aller. If they take the leash off of Aller and they just let him go, I think Penn State has a chance to win this game like 20 to 14. But I just don't think they're going to take the leash off him. And so I'm going to probably lean Michigan. But for me, the big play is the under. I, I got to jump in. I I get what you're saying, and I've heard this before, like take the leash off, let him throw. I, I think there's a reason they have a leash on him, and it's not Drew Aller that's the problem. I don't think they have the guys around him at the receiver core especially to to do anything. Like I just I think James Franklin doesn't want to say this, and that's why he plays coy. I don't think the receivers are any good, especially compared to the last four or five years. I don't think they can get any separation. They can't catch the ball consistently. The Dante Cephas, who's supposed to be their stud out of Kent State transfer, hasn't really panned out. Keandre Lambert-Smith is like a third stringer on most good teams, or or a you know a wide receiver three on most good teams. He's wide receiver one on Penn State. So I think the reason they don't unleash him is because they don't have the guys to make it happen around him. That's my honest opinion as a Penn State fan. I think you can scheme, and it's college football, and I think you can scheme guys open. We've seen it a lot. We've seen a lot of mediocre guys look really, really good with scheme. I mean, yeah, it's that's the issue then. Uh, well, I think I, that's I, more of a, more uh, of the I, issue than yeah. the playmakers. I, more listen, of the issue. I think Mike Yurkic, I think he sucks, and I advocate for him being on your tarmac report every week. I would love to see, uh, I don't know, Joe Moorhead come back or a new offensive coordinator or whoever it may be next year. But, you know, Funny they, you should say that, Tom. I got some things, to, more things to say about this game <laughs> because we're getting into the tarmac report early. We're going to bang this thing out. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Tom, the good news for you is after this season, you're not going to have to deal with Harbaugh anymore because he won't be there. 
However, we're going to get to him later on this list. He's a bit higher up. We're going to start in the Big Ten, though. We are going to keep it in the Big Ten. Despite their big win over Minnesota last week, it does not hide brought Bilemma from being on the tarmac, coming at number five, looking extra brought this year. Number four, we're going to keep this thing in orange, and we're going to go back home, gentlemen. We're going to get Dino. It's time. Dino, Oh, yeah. he's... It's officially time. He's got to go. He's coming at number four. It's past time. Number three, another guy who, despite his win last week, does not escape my eyes and the tarmac, and that is Sam Pittman. Welcome to the tarmac. You have officially ruined Arkansas. They do. They have talent. They beat Florida. You know how they beat Florida? He stopped coaching and just let them go crazy and do whatever the hell they wanted. KJ went full Vince Young mode, and they they won a game. Go figure. Number two, unfortunately for this guy, there's just too much oil in his state. And where there's oil, there's money. And they will find a way to get Jimbo Fisher out of College Station. He is an abomination. They are so bad. Nine straight road losses. Not just to ranked opponents, nine straight road losses. Uh, Jimbo, it's it's bad. He's got to go. He's got to get out of there. By the way, who is Jimbo Fisher's offensive line coach? Dan knows this, but he may have forgotten. But he's cosplaying as him right now. <laughs> Muschamp? Worse. I don't remember. He's a dude. He's just looking for dudes. Oh, on, he's, wow. he's a rancher. He's a rancher. A rancher That's all you need to know. Dudes. That's it. So you, I forgot you, about that. So much money yeah. to be made. I fucked that all you up. You ruined all the praise we gave Dan for his new look. Looking like an indie rocker or looking like a cool I look like cop a show. Saying he looks like a Dazio <laughs> negates all that and takes him into the negative. So I'm going to go shave right now. I'll be back in five minutes. <laughs> do what you guys got to do. Oh, Jimbo, the only reason you're not number one is because the cheater is at number one, and that is Jim Harbaugh. It is time for somebody at the NCAA to grow a pair and finally just get this guy out of here. Let him go back to the NFL. Let him be the new Belichick and cheat around a there and do all that shit. That's fine. Get out of college football. This is ridiculous. He's a sideshow, and he's a douche. He's got to go. This is his swan song. This is the last time he's going to beat a ranked team at Michigan. He will not beat another ranked team for his tenure. That's the Tarmac boys. Thank you, Ryan. And I, I have two questions I want to ask to both of you guys. The first one is kind of a hypothetical question, but if this whole thing happened, this cheating scandal happened in, let's say, 1997, when there was no internet, no Twitter, and it was just traditional cable news, newspaper, etc., how do you think the scandal or the public perception or the way it's being handled would be different? 
Um, like, do you think he would be fired by now? Do you think he would get away with it longer? No. Totally. Like, how would it play yeah. out differently? I think he would get away with it 100%. I mean, without the, you know, amount of information that we have today with cameras and cell phone cameras and the internet is a, a big part of it. I mean, I just don't think there's enough evidence back there. and I don't think anything would happen, actually. It would have been a long think piece in Sports Illustrated in the offseason. And by the time the next season rolled around, it would have been pretty much swept under the rug. That's about it. But Sports Illustrated is definitely the, they would have been the ones that would have done that back in those days. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm of two minds about it. And I think I agree with you guys that first off, it wouldn't really have come out in the first place. So nothing would have happened. I do think if all the information had come out back then, then he he would have been probably fired. I mean, in this hypothetical scenario, I noticed that there's a lot of like obfuscation because of the internet. They can be like, well, what about Ohio State's role? Or what about Purdue doing the same thing? Or what about this? And there's a lot of um, deflection, I feel like, that's going on that uh, kind of clouds it. And now you're like, well, well, did Michigan really do anything? That's been my whole takeaway from the last week of the cheating scandal is like, we're getting away from the basis of this, which is that Michigan are gigantic cheaters. Like we're talking about all these side issues about Ryan day or whatever. And it is funny, but let us, let us not be distracted from Michigan actually being huge cheaters. And anyone who thinks that Connor stallion just did this on his own is um, just insane. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was working at my entry level job, I did not buy plane tickets to fly all over the country on behalf of my employer and commit illegal acts. Like I was just there trying to get a job done, doing whatever my boss told me. Connor Stallions is not taking the initiative to open a vacuum company and to buy tickets to 35 college football games on his 50 grand salary. So like, I don't, I don't need any more evidence to indicate Jim Harbaugh. It's just common sense. Funny thing is, is we used to do this stuff in division three. Oh, did you? In the early, in the early two thousands. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Well, let, let's assume the statute of limitations is up. What I didn't even think to ask you as the coach, but like what experience do you have with this? Oh yeah. We used to go to games all the time. I would, I would drive over to, uh, other teams in the conference and I would sit in the bleachers and I'd write down all their stuff and I would bring what I would do is my thing was because of how bad the weather is in upstate New York, you know, imagine you're sitting in Plattsburgh on an, a beautiful March day where it's four degrees and the wind is blowing nine, 19 miles an hour sideways so you're in disguise just naturally wearing your shacket. Oh, I'm I'm full out black on black on black, like Gore-Tex, heavy coat, like face mask, the whole deal. But because it's impossible to like actually sit there with a notebook and write shit, and because we didn't have the budget uh, to bring a camcorder to those things, what I would do is I would sit with the old tape recorders like the real thin ones with the little mini tapes, like the answering machine tapes. And then I would just literally sit there and, and talk through the game. 
and I would just explain what I'm seeing. So I'm like, okay, we got ourselves a power play. Uh, number four is putting two arms up. So that's the play call, two arms up. That's what this play is. Okay. So number four starts with the ball. He's going to pass it to his right. He cuts down to the middle. Guy that was in the middle, number seven, seven's going to go behind the goal. And that's literally what I would do. I would just talk through the play. This is what's happening. I've worked and 20 minutes into the and, show and we've only haven't even talked about a full game, but now I've got a million questions for you. <laughs> so I might have this whole thing wrong. Like, so uh, let me, let me interview you for a minute. So based on what you did as you sound like a low budget Connor stallions, which might make for a good, like Amazon prime TV show. Do you think what he did is that big a deal then? Yes. And so, so what is the difference between what you were doing and what he's doing? Because we didn't have that rule in division three and also because it was a completely different sport. So Um, it's basically just, you know, it wasn't against the rules for you and it was against the rules for him and knowing that he should never have done it. Correct. And also there's, there's also like the matter of going in disguise, being on the sideline, being on the a, a team's sideline, that's like completely crossing a line to me. Like that is, you know better than to go on another, go on a team's sideline like that. Like that's preposterous to me. So did you do any of this stuff when you did it of your own accord or was this something that, you know, the rest of the staff was in on? Everyone did it. Everyone in the whole conference, I would turn around during our games and look up and turn around in the bleachers and look up and be like, oh, there's the Clarkson coach. There's the Geneseo coach. They played in high school together at West Genesee. So that's why they're sitting together at our game. So there's no competitive advantage except for, you know, who can uh, work the hardest and sit in the most snow. Yeah, there was no, there was nothing illegal about what was going on there. Now, what was illegal and what was hilarious because it never actually happened. But in high school coach would get very, very paranoid before two particular games, the FM game and the Liverpool game. Obviously those are our biggest rivals, but also the fact that both of those coaches were West Genesee guys. Mm -hmm. So they were from the town, they knew the town and all that. And so whenever we would play those teams that week for practice, coach would get these feelings that my uncle, who was the Liverpool coach, was in the woods in a tree stand watching our practice. And so he would make the whole team get in a huddle and he would make us all switch jerseys with other guys. So we all had different numbers on. So like offensive guys would wear defensive players numbers and all that. And then we would just do that for like the rest of the practice. We would all just wear different numbers. And the next day we were fine. And then two days before the FM game, coach is like, I think the FM coaches are watching us. Everyone, jerseys. And we would all just switch jerseys. So coaches by trade are extremely paranoid people. And they will go to considerable lengths to gain an advantage. So none of this actually surprises me. So do you think there's any chance that Jim Harbaugh was not aware or involved? Zero percent chance. Zero. All right. My next question related to the tarmac. We're never going to move on from this, Dan. We're never getting to anything else. So your tarmac report is based on who deserves to be fired the most or who's doing the worst job. 
But who do you actually think is going to be the next coach fired? Because I think Dino's got a very good chance. Yeah, I think Dino's definitely. Yeah, Dino. He's he's going to have a hard time getting through the season. That's my thought too. I don't think he makes it past Thanksgiving or maybe the, you know Monday of Thanksgiving. So the question is just, is anybody else going to beat him? Here's the question. Look up the Syracuse basketball schedule. See who their first big game is. And if they win that game, Dino's getting the ax the, like the next day. Oh yeah, because the if whole Autry shows up for, big, they're they're going to be like, yeah. oh, moving on actually works. Correct. They're going to be like Adrian Autry, Syracuse basketball. Let's go. Moving on. Football season's over. We're going to fire Dino. No big deal. Don't worry about it. All right, I'll look that up, Dan. What's next on it, Dan? You never actually made a pick. Who's your pick? Penn State, Thank Michigan. You. Under forty-four and a half. Penn State's not scoring. Michigan's overrated. Michigan only scores like like you know thirty points against these bad teams. Add Penn State early game with all the scandal bullshit. I, I this game's gonna be like um, twenty to sixteen, and it could be either way. So under. All right, guys. Um, talking about football. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to stop. No, no, no. I, that's all I got to say. All right, I- interesting, Ryan. Following up on your theory, this is very interesting. So, SUS Colgate next Tuesday, and then on Monday, November twentieth, they play Tennessee, number nine in the country. November twenty eighth, after Thanksgiving, they play LSU, and then December second, they play Virginia starting ACC play. Any one of those to me is a pretty big win. Correct. That's that you're looking at Syracuse basketball wins. One of those games, they're going to can Dino quietly within, a, within 48 hours. Yeah, I think agreed. Also, I mean, just looking at that Syracuse basketball could be easily three and three to start the season. So we'll see. Yep. By the way, I saw LeMoyne was playing Georgetown yesterday uh, in basketball. It was on TV. It was hilarious. They were down like 63-30 when I turned it on. I was like, huh. <laughs> Welcome to D1, boys. All right, Dan. Not good. We have 12 minutes left in the podcast to cover That's right. I got what it. What do you got? I got it. Alabama at Kentucky. Alabama minus 11, total 46 and a half. We're not going to talk about this one in terms of spread. Kentucky's not that good. The wheels have fallen off. They, they had a terrible offense. This line's only 11. It should be more. Bama should roll here. Question, is Alabama the best team in the country right now? Would you make them a favor over everybody? Tom. No. Except for Georgia. I'd still have Georgia as a three-point favorite. Anyone else besides Georgia? No, maybe Ryan. maybe a couple toss up games, a couple pickums against like uh, Florida State, maybe Washington. Oregon's better. Oregon's better than Alabama. Um, Oregon's actually like the second or third best team in the country right now. Um, but I think Washington is the second best team in the country. So Georgia, Washington, Oregon. I think are the three most the three best teams right now. And then I would say it's probably a toss up with Florida State, Alabama. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll know your opinion. 
my uh, power rankings have Alabama at number one for what it's worth. Uh, I would make them a favorite over everybody. And I think they're the best team. Remember, I picked them to win the championship in our first episode right. this year. You, uh, I, I, you, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think they can beat anyone for sure. Um, we'll see. They're, uh, they're eight to one right now to win it, by the way. Interesting. The thing is they're um, loaded. I've said this every week, but they're loaded at every position except the ones we pay attention to. So they're not that great at quarterback and they don't have the star receivers, but everywhere else they're great. And that's what wins football games as Georgia learned. Very good. Uh, okay. Moving on. Let's continue on here. Let's uh, go through the morning slate. Not a lot of good stuff. A lot of garbage. Let's continue on. Um, Wow. Okay, let's go to 130. Miami at Florida State. Florida State minus 14. Total 50 and a half. Miami is in free fall. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke might be injured. They were awful last week. Like really, 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 really terribly awful. Florida State, as predicted by yours truly, slopped around at Heinz Field or whatever the fuck they're calling it these days. It's still Heinz Field. It was like 7-7 going to the fourth quarter. <laughs> this is perfect. Of course it's 7-7 going to the fourth quarter. Um, they won 24-7, but they did not cover. Is this a sneaky spot for Florida State to be in trouble against Miami? Can Miami muster the ability to pull this upset? Or are they just not the same team since they made that decision to not take a knee and the wheels have come off? Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, this is the this is such a that's the perfect question, Dan, because in most situations, this is absolutely a spot where I think the sharps are all on Miami in a normal circumstance, but I really do think you're right. They're just they have no confidence right now. They are just not the same team. I think if they get punched in the mouth, they just don't respond. And I think that's something that's going to take a little time for, for them to kind of rebuild there at the U. So I think Florida State comes out early on them. I think they jump on a lead, and Miami just does not have any firepower whatsoever. That that game against NC State was basically unwatchable. It was awful. Z, thoughts, ACC? I, I agree with what Ryan just said 100%. This should be a tricky spot and a spot where Florida State has to watch out, but I think something happened to Miami along the way, whether it was bad karma from that non-kneel down or if they just don't have the goods or if Van Dyke's hurt. Something's wrong, and I wouldn't trust them. Florida State, it's weird. I don't know what to think about them. At times, I think they look good. At other times, I think they're going to cruise into the playoff, and that's going to be their first actual tough game, and they're going to be the – annual team that gets waxed in the first round of the playoff. So I'm just not sure about them. Um, I would lean Miami in the 14. I'm not a believer in Florida state. I think they got some flaws. It also depends on their health. They've been missing their wide receivers, which is a big part of their offense. Um, I just don't like laying 14 in the spot. Um, I don't know. I just can't see Florida state winning the national title like they're or like if i didn't write down all the teams like they're the first one that i cross off uh who's undefeated but hey i've been wrong before maybe they'll win it all i don't know florida all state right, to continue. me has um 
national championship runner up written all over mm. them. Like that very which, possible. That which is what I predicted in the preseason. It totally podcast, depends on it depends on who beating Florida State. Yeah. Like and it totally a, depends on who they get matched up with. But if they have to play like a Michigan or Ohio State first round, I could see them narrowly winning that and people being like, whoa, Florida State actually is good. And then losing to Georgia or Alabama or Oregon or Washington by like 17 in the title game. That sounds right to me. Uh, okay. Um, there's a bunch of games at this 3.30 Eastern slot to watch this weekend. It's going to be... You're gonna have to uh, excuse me, Dan. We cannot skip no, over the not. 2 o'clock time slot, please. No, don't worry. I'll, I'll be getting to that. Okay, let's continue on. Utah at Washington. Washington minus 9.5, total 51.5. Well, uh, last week Washington scored 52 on uh, USC. Actually, it was two defensive plays that actually won them the game. It was the strip sack before the end of the first half and the sack on like third and 10 that moved USC out of field goal range. Um, I've been waiting for the running back, um, DJ, to uh, have a big game being an SEC transfer. He finally did. Now, of course, a lot has to do with Alex Grinch. He wasn't touched until he was already 10 yards downfield a lot, but it was so nice to see him. Utah obviously presents some challenges. Um, They looked terrible against Oregon earlier this year. Um, There's a couple of reasons for that, part of it being Oregon being pretty good. But, you know, I think they were still trying to figure out the backup quarterback and they were like moving that safety to running back and all that stuff. And the game just got out of hand for them. This isn't a good matchup for Washington. Washington won't be able to run the ball to, with the same effectiveness as they did last week. Utah will just literally hand it off and run for four yards and be happy. Um, huge loss for USC last week was not having Marshawn Lloyd. No, he was announced out 30 minutes before kick, and he's he might be the best running back in the Big Twelve or uh, in the Pac-12. So. The X's and O's do not favor Washington in this game at all, but I think they find a way to win. I don't know if they cover. I think this is going to be a really tight game. I don't think Washington's going to blow out Utah like Oregon did. Um, and when we get to Oregon later, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on them. But um, I lean Utah. I won't bet it. The total is 51.5. I like the over in that. I think Utah will score in the 20s or 30s, and Washington will score in the 20s, 30s, or 40s. So I would say there's a 75% chance the over comes in. But um, that's my read on this one. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, you covered a lot of it in that. Um, That was really good, Dan. Um, It's a tough one. This is a really tough one. I think the play is exactly what you said. I think the play is Washington money line and Utah with the points. I don't think this is going to be a blowout game. I think this game is going to be six points or less one way or the other. I'm leaning Washington because of the home field. We saw how much that factored into the Oregon game. And I think that does matter. But this is, let me ask you guys this. Are these the two most underrated coaches in college football? Easily. Yes. Not yeah. even close. There's no one even third. It's no. by far these two. NFL coaches should take either of these guys. It, it, they are by far the bo- the best two coaches. And they might be my favorite two coaches, period. 
you know, and of course I might be overlooking Smart and Saban. Um, but they're two of the top five best for sure in all of football, co college or pro. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that the with a game like that, that's the reason. I think that's like the biggest reason why this you, you have to take the points in this spot because when you have two coaches that are this good, they're just no one they're not gonna they're just not gonna get like a it's not gonna be a blowout. I just don't see it. So I do like Dan's play. The overs probably looking like the right play. But for me, I think you can kind of double dip in this game and take the Washington money line and then take Utah with the points. Z, thoughts? So because I spent 30 minutes talking about Michigan, I'm going to do something in this episode, which is I'm mostly going to stay out of the Pac-12 games. And there, I know there's a lot of them and a lot of good ones. And that's really your guys' territory. So I'm just going to say my piece about the Pac-12 now in a minute, and then you can just pass on me on all the other Pac-12 games. I totally agree. I would never underestimate Utah. I know they're tougher at home than on the road, but we should, that's one of those things like don't bet against Alabama. We should just learn by this point, like don't underestimate Utah. Don't bet against Utah. Don't bet a 10 point spread against Utah. I hope that Washington wins. I think they're a team of destiny. I think that it's only right in the last year of the PAC 12 for it to kind of come down between them and Oregon, who are two of the best four teams in the country, in my opinion. And so I hope that neither of them loses the rest of the regular season because that would be a disservice to the Pac-12 and it would kind of diminish what those two teams have done. And so go Washington. I hope Oregon's right in it. Kudos to Caleb Williams for an awesome game. Um, The defense sucks so bad, but... Um, and he's not going to win the Heisman and, you know, he's crying on the sidelines, but like, let's not forget how great he's been the last couple of years and just been totally abandoned by his coaching staff and defensive teammates. So, um, I do want to, I do want to give congrats to him. And, um, I'm, I'm curious as we get into the other games, what happened to Washington state? When did the Arizona teams flip and become good? Like, I just want to get your guys' take and hear what you have to say. So, Ryan, go ahead. I'm done with Pac-12 for the week. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of touch on those as we get to those games. But uh, I will say, just if you guys want to have some fun, go to YouTube and type in Michael Penick's basketball highlights. His high school basketball highlights are ridiculous. He just freaking jammed on everybody like every highlight is him just hammering dunks on people it's amazing so enjoy that guys very good all right let's continue on here tennessee and missouri both teams seven and two both teams three and two in the conference the winner of this game will be awarded the championship of fraudulent sec team of the year you, uh, you totally stole my joke that I was. You stole my line, the fraud bowl. I was going to call this the fraud bowl. You stole it. It's, it's so true. Notebook. They, they will be eight and two and ranked ninth, and people will be like, "They're a dangerous program on the rise." But we all know that playoffs next like year. Playoffs next year. Fucking neither of these teams are top twenty-five worthy. We all know it. Joe Milton and um, what Brady Cook, remember whatever Cook it is, Brandon. I don't know what it's. B Cook, whatever. Uh, garbage. Um, Tennessee minus one, fifty-eight and a half. 
this could be the your opinion is wrong game. It's not, but it could be. Uh, Ryan, go right ahead. I can't believe this is not the your opinion is wrong game. Yeah, there there is no right answer on this one, but there's a much more fun one that's gets closer to home that we'll talk later. Uh, Tennessee minus one, 58 and a half. Ryan, I don't need any explanation. Just take a side in the total. Tennessee, better coaching. Okay. Tom, thoughts on this piece of shit game? I'm going with Missouri. They've been more consistent this season. Tennessee has the higher ceiling, but also the lower floor. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bet this. I'm going to screenshot it. I'm going to bet this game goes to overtime. I have a, a sneaky feeling that these teams are exactly even, and it's going to be tied at like 31 going to overtime. There'll be a bunch of highlights, and I think Missouri wins, and the crowd storms the field for beating Joe Milton, and nobody cares. That's my prediction. I do kind of, I'm with you, and I kind of like an over, something like a 45-42 sounds right to me. Give me an overtime over parlay. What do I get on that? That'd be great. I'm all right. Let me let me write this down. I need to forty-one thirty-eight. That's yeah. Tom, you're right on track. It's forty-one thirty-eight. So yeah, we're all team score touchdown. Yep, thirty-one thirty-one, thirty-eight thirty-eight, forty-one thirty-eight, forty-four. Well, because they go actually, I'm gonna two-point conversion. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna it'd be forty to thirty-eight. That's the score. Yeah, I'm going to 38. That's what I was going to uh, say. Right, I'm going to, I'm going to go on top of what you said, Dan. Goal. It comes down right. to a two point conversion. One of them gets yeah. it. One of them doesn't. Either way. Or someone kicks a field goal somehow in the second overtime. But anyway, over overtime is the official take the points pick on this game. I'll be shocked if either team wins by more than seven points. Um, okay, let's continue on. There's more 130 nonsense to get to, and I'm not getting into the big nonsense. Not yet, Tom. I know you're chopping at the bit. Just hang tight. We're still at 130. We're at the 44-minute mark of this. This is is a two-hour pod coming up, folks. We're going deep. Oklahoma State at Central Florida. I don't get it. Oklahoma State, 7-2, red hot, 5-1 in conference. Central Florida, four and five, one and five in conference. Oklahoma State minus two and a half, total 64 and a half. Look, I know this is a weird trip for Oklahoma State, having not ever probably played at Central Florida, uh, but I don't trust Reese Plumley at all. I do trust Ollie Gordon. UCF has no defense. Oklahoma State should be able to put a lot of points on them. I know it's a weird game across the country and everything, but it's only two and a half. So this is probably a a very square play on my part, and I usually try to stay away from these, but I like Oklahoma State minus two and a half in this game. Ollie Gordon's extremely good, and I'll take the best running back, and I don't trust uh, UCF whatsoever. Tom, thoughts? I I saw my first um, Ollie for Heisman person. What do we think about that? No, that's ridiculous, but he's very good. I think, oh, it's so hard because on paper, you're absolutely right. But this is exactly the kind of game that Oklahoma State would blow. And Oklahoma almost lost to them earlier in the year. And I feel like that, even though that's completely irrelevant to this game, I feel like that's part of the reason the spread's so low. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you and take Oklahoma State, but I don't think it's easy. 
Ryan, thoughts? It's not going to be easy because we have Mike Gundy against Gus, Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. So anything and everything is on the table. However, UCF's only conference win, I don't think any of the new Big 12 teams have won a game against any of the original, like the old Big 12 teams yet. UCF, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, they yeah, have not won a single correct. game. None of them have won They're a conference terrible. game yet. Only against each other, not against any of the big, the originals. Yes, correct. So for that, that's for me, that's the number one reason that just to play Oklahoma State in this game. But that's only because it's gun to head. Otherwise, stay the hell away from this. Vegas is telling you something. Oklahoma State just beat Oklahoma, and they're only favored by two and a half. Vegas is telling you something. I know exactly what they're saying. It's a shifty game across the country. All right, Tom, enough's enough. Rutgers at Iowa. We did it. We have champagne around here. We got something. I got some of that whiskey that I used for uh, your opinion is wrong last year. Let me get this out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Iowa at home minus one and a half total. We got a first half total of 28. No. We have a game total of 28 and a half. Tom, we did it. We got under 30. This has been a three-year campaign by Take the Points. Vegas, do it. Make an over-under, under yeah. 30. We've been screaming this for three years. They never listened. It's finally happened. Mm-hmm. And that's why, Dan, you're going to hate my pick. I you think, know what's funny is, yeah. sorry, before I kick it to you, I just I just want to explain this to the listeners. The, the, the predicted score by Vegas is Iowa 15, Rutgers 13 and a half. That's their number. Hats off to you, Las Vegas. That sounds right on to me. Go ahead, Tom. Break it down. We wanted this so much. And, you know, like the dog who finally caught the car and didn't know what to do with it, I I think that um, we got it in the wrong spot. It should have been last week. We all know it should have been last week. It did dip under last week, but then it went back up by game time. And that was a beautiful 10 to seven game, Iowa and Northwestern Rutgers is better than any team in the big 10 West. They're better than anyone. Most of the teams that Iowa plays, they're going to score 17, 20. I think they're going to get 20 points on Iowa. I really do. And I think this game is going over and I think Rutgers is going to beat them 24 to 16. I think it goes into the 30s, Dan, maybe even the mid-30s. I think Vegas, um, like Icarus, has finally flown too close to the sun. Look, Tom, I don't know if it's that alcohol I just drank on air, but I think I just heard you picking over, and you must be under the weather or something because I don't care. And we're going under once again. 9-3. That's the final. No touchdowns. Zero. Who? Who? Iowa. Iowa's one bad call away from being eight and one, which is totally ridiculous. And I can't wait to see them in the Big Ten title game this year. It's going to be great. Rutgers is better than any of those teams they face. And I'm telling you, Rutgers is fourth in the Big Ten East, but they'd be first in the Big Ten West by a lot. Ryan, I don't want to pick for this game. How much money would we have to pay you to leave work on Friday, go to the airport, fly to Iowa, 
take a rental car. No, sorry. Pick up the rental car in the airport. Drive to your hotel on campus. Stay overnight. Eat hotel food in the morning. Sit outside in the cold and watch this game in its entirety. Stay over another night. Fly back to Phoenix and get back to your uh, condo. How much cash would you need to get paid in order to make this round trip to, uh, adventure? $12,000. Five figures. It's strong. Let me say something. Uh, you say you say you would need to be paid 12000 to do that. The situation you just described is exactly what Connor Stallions did on his own dime. <laughs> the, the true oh. answer is like, the true answer, honestly, is like 1600 bucks. Like, oh, more than that. It's Iowa on an airplane. If, if like, you guys were doing it, if you guys were doing it, I would do it at cost. Like you pay me just whatever the plane and hotels cost to hang out with you guys and laugh through the whole thing. If I had to go on my own, I'm with, yeah, I think 12 grand sounds right. Very bad. It's a bad situation. Okay. We got one more one thirty game to talk about. Pitt at Syracuse. Now I saw you omitted Nardog, uh, from your tarmac, which speaks a lot to his, uh, resume over the past couple of years so to speak but we've reached the your opinion is wrong segment no no where's that where's that whiskey bringing it back out for this one two oh. and seven pit at four and five syracuse pit minus three total 37 and a half i don't know if please so I, hold on i must go first yes you will go first we don't know uh, if Gareth Garth Stra uh, Schrader's playing in this game. The backup, which people were excited to see, literally could not play football last week. I bet Vatek, and it was about my favorite bet of the entire year. Um, just terrible football. So go ahead, Tom. Pick a side and pick a total. Choose wisely. Sure. Let me just say for anyone who's a new listener, your opinion is wrong is our segment where Dan picks a game and all possible bets are incorrect. We tell him what is going to happen and he tells us why we're wrong. However, you are wrong this week making this the your opinion is wrong game because there is a definitive thing that will happen. This is Nard Dog's chance to Shang Tsung Dino and take a soul and he will not pass up that opportunity. And that's why Pitt will win this game in the ugliest game of all time that makes it impossible to keep Dino around for another week. Pitt wins 13-6 to six under. Okay, 13-6 with Pitt beating Syracuse. Now, this is incorrect, Tom. <laughs> First of all, Syracuse is at home in the Dome in November, traveling there. You know, even if they fly, it's going to be a mess. But I got a feeling they're going to take a bus. They got to go up the highway. Got to go by Erie. There's going to be construction there. You're going to go by <laughs> Buffalo. There'll be Lake Effect for a while. You're going to be on 90. There's going to be a rest stop they stop at with the Hardee's. And all the soup food's going to be, like, under temperature and give people food poisoning. Dan, you haven't been and to Upstate get... lately because all the rest stops are now closed. Okay, well, they're going to reopen Hardee's for the pit football team. <laughs> Then they're going to get to the dome. 
It's going to be terrible. They're going to go in there. It's going to be all hot. And the turf has got, like, concrete underneath it. They're not going to want to get tackled. So, yeah, Syracuse is going to win this game. Uh, and you like an under wrong. Uh, let's see. Pitt gave up 58 to that powerhouse Notre Dame offense. 38 to shitty – or no, uh, yeah, 38 to Vatek before they switched quarterbacks. 41 to UNC. Over. Like, even – it doesn't matter who plays for a quarterback for Syracuse. They're scoring points. So, no, Syracuse and over is my lean for this. So, Ryan, what do you like for this game? Well, guys, we already explained this, Tom. We already laid out the timeline of Dino getting fired. So that means Nardog cannot get his Shang Tsung this weekend because Syracuse is actually going to – be competitive and win this game in a shootout 38-35 in the dome. It's going to be great. Let's go. Okay. This is ludicrous. So Syracuse, the wheels are off. They've lost five in a row. They've not been competitive in most games. Uh, Boston College, mighty BC came in and pushed them around last week, which was the icing on the cake. They've quit. Their coaches quit. He's can't wait to get out of Syracuse. The team has mailed it in. Nardog will shank song, so that's that. And you like an over? Well, let's just take a look here. Uh, last four weeks, Syracuse scored 30 points total in the last four games. And uh, Pitt has scored 14 in the last two weeks. So somewhere around 10-6 sounds to be uh, the winner for this one. So... Pit and an under is more likely than your two picks. So uh, awful job by both of you. Your selections are terrible. So again, your opinion is wrong. A truly great segment. I would like to say that your rebuttal to each of us mirrored the opposite person's pick. Like your rebuttal to Ryan was basically what I said in the first pick. (laughs) And your rebuttal to me was basically what Ryan said. So this is why it's great. I would like to chime in with a Shang Tsung calendar countdown. I've got the <laughs> this episode's great. I've got the Go Syracuse ahead. football remaining schedule side by side with the basketball remaining schedule. Now, unfortunately, there aren't any games on the exact same dates, but there's two potential possibilities for Dino to be fired. One, the nearest one, if he's not fired after this game, as I predicted, Syracuse plays at Georgia Tech on November 18th. That's next Saturday. Two days later is when Syracuse basketball plays Tennessee, ranked number nine in the country. So Georgia Tech on the road, that's a rejuvenated team. I'm telling you, Georgia Tech's looked okay this season, and Haynes King's been playing pretty good. That's a definite loss possibility down there in Atlanta. And then if Adrian Autry in his first big game against number nine Tennessee can win two days later, you better watch out on the 21st, right before Thanksgiving. Dino might be uh, going back to Texas for the holidays. And then November 25th, Wake Forest comes to the Dome. Wake Forest has been all right this season, certainly good enough to beat Cuse in the Dome. And then the Cuse LSU basketball game is three days after that, into the long, you know, right after the long Thanksgiving holiday when everyone's, you know, hung over and stuffed with turkey. They're going to watch Wake come in and without Sam Hartman beat Cuse in the Dome and then Cuse beat LSU basketball. So 
Those are your matchups to watch, I think. That is the Syracuse Shang Tsung calendar. Very good. Okay, let's move on to the uh, later slate. Ole Miss at Georgia. Georgia minus 10.5, total 57.5. All right. It's real simple. Can Lane finally get it done against the the absolute superpowers? Is this the spot where it can happen? Is this Georgia team elite? Ryan. Oh, this is the hardest game for me. I know you want to do it. Go ahead. I know you. I know everyone wants me to do it. And it's right there for them. It is. However, I think what Carson Beck is actually doing this year is like super, super under the radar. He's actually putting up numbers that are going to, if the pace he's at, he's going to break all the Georgia records, like Stafford and all those guys, like passing yards, touchdowns, like he's going to break a bunch of records and no one seems to notice that. So that has me nervous because he's actually much, much better than people are giving him credit for. I know he doesn't have the weapons and all that. This is the spot where Georgia should handle them. Georgia absolutely should take care of business at home. But it's take the points, folks. And I'm playing with my heart. And I'm going to get on the lane train. And we're going to do this. That's a lot of points. I'm not taking the money line. I can't do it. But I will take 10 and a half. The backdoor potential with crazy ass lane. He's going to have some crazy ass like trick plays and wild stuff ready to go. Kitchen sink stuff. I think he learned his lesson with Alabama game where he was super vanilla. He didn't really get crazy. He didn't try to go kitchen sink on him. I think he has to do it in this spot here. So anything they've got, they're going to leave it in this game. So I'm taking the points. Steve. We all want to do it so badly, but I can't. I just can't do it. Rule number one that we had of this podcast, bet um, on Alabama or don't bet at all, now applies to Georgia in my mind. Bet on them or don't bet at all. To me, it's weird. It's like I'd actually rather just take the Ole Miss money line than the points. I think there's a chance they win it outright, but I think there's a greater chance Georgia just beats them by 20. And so when I looked at this first this line the first time, I just kept saying over and over to myself, bet with your head, not with your heart. Bet with your head, not with your heart. Just repeating that like a yoga mantra. So I, I don't know. To me, Georgia's just, they're not as good as the last couple of years, but they're still better than everyone else. And it's a weird thing to say. We've never had a three-time national championship team uh, back to back to back in our lifetime, as far as I can tell, uh, Nebraska was probably the closest, but even they couldn't get it done. And I, I think this could be the first one. I think if they do lose, it's not going to be till Alabama or the playoffs when they really play that tough, like ultra ultra top tier team. So I just can't see them losing to anybody who's ranked less than fifth. So I'm going Georgia. And Ryan, what you said brings up a good point. Let's look up some uh, back Heisman odds because if Penix falters at all and loses even a game, if, you know, Ohio State loses a game 
to Michigan, for example. You know, Michigan with the scandal, it's hard to see J.J. McCarthy winning the Heisman in the first place, but especially under these circumstances. We could be in a situation where there's really not a clear Heisman winner and they're just like, well, who's the quarterback on the best team, the undefeated best team quarterback who's got pretty good stats? Give it to Beck. Um, so, you know, I don't know what his odds are right now, but it might be worth sprinkling a few dollars on that one. Carson Beck, 14 to one. I mean, you know, put down 10 bucks and see what happens. Okay. Here's my pick on this game. Let me, let me set up my chair for this one. So look, I'm aware that you shouldn't bet against Georgia in the spot. But I think Michigan and Georgia are very similar teams where they haven't played anybody and people just assume that they're elite um, because they made the playoff last year. And we see that in college football a lot. Um, but I still don't think Georgia's near as good as they were the last two years. And Georgia played Missouri at home last week and beat them by nine. They played South Carolina earlier in the year at home and they beat them by ten. Give me the 10 and a half with Ole Miss because they're better than both of those teams. And I wouldn't be shocked if this game goes right down to the wire. Um, Lane's got a damn good squad. Uh, Jackson Dart has been very good. Uh, they got great running backs. The defense is actually better than normal. Um, A&M, for as much as we rag Jimbo, has an awesome roster. And they play teams uh, close all the time. So, just because they won last second against AM, I don't take that away from Ole Miss at all. And unfortunately, I feel like this is a weird spot where, like, if Ole Miss somehow wins this game, it doesn't really change anything for anybody. Like, Georgia still wins their side of the SEC. Ole Miss, you know, would, would have one loss on their side, but it's the Alabama who also, you know, would who would – hold the tiebreaker. So it'd be kind of fitting if Lane got this and it really would still keep him out of the playoff. Um, I like Ole Miss in this game and I'm definitely going to bet them plus 10 and a half and root for the upset. So that's where I'm at on this one. Okay. Let's continue on here. A lot more to talk about. Tom, Michigan state at Ohio state, Ohio state minus 31 and a half, not enough points or are they just slopping around? This is tough because Michigan State is complete garbage. But Ohio State doesn't have the firepower on offense that they usually do. So, I mean, they could just maybe win this game 30-3, to and that's still not a cover. So it's a tough one to pick. I mean, the only way you can lean is Ohio State. What's the total on this one? 47? I'd be tempted. 47 and a half, yeah. Yeah, I'd be tempted – at an under maybe Ohio state could, I mean, this could be one, a game in the window, you know, it could be a 37 to six, 37 to three type win for Ohio state. Ryan, any thoughts on this garbage? Pass. Okay. Good answer. Uh, lay with Ohio state. Michigan state is not having a real football team. Let's continue on here. Florida at LSU. LSU minus 13 and a half, total 63 and a half. My favorite bet of the week, we have come to it, over 63 and a half. 
for as much as Brian Kelly is a total idiot, their offense is fantastic. Um, as long as uh, Daniels is not injured and playing in this game, as, long as, as soon as I see he's starting, I'm hammering the over. Florida can put up points, and they don't have any sort of defense. There's no reason why LSU is not going to score in the 40s, 50s, or even 60s in this game. And then LSU's defense is hot garbage, too, and Florida will find a way to score in the 20s, 30s, or 40s somehow. I know it's the SEC and you see Florida and LSU, but this should be an 80, 90 point game for sure. And I'm not even scared at all in that 63 and a half. So huge fan of this over this week. Night game. Tom, any thoughts? No, I love it. Daniels is super underrated and uh, you know, awesome. like Caleb Williams, he's hurt by just having a crappy defense and um, coaching that doesn't really bring out his best all the time. He kind of has to do it on his own, but he's been great. And um, they're a great offensive team, and that's all I'll say. Very good. Okay, uh, I got one more I want to talk about, and then you guys can fill in whatever you like. Uh, USC at Oregon. Oregon minus 15, total 73 and a half. Ryan, kick us off. Well, guys... We're going to get the post-Grinch bump. No, we're not. Nope, nope, not going to happen. Not going to matter. Firing him helped, but it's not going to help in this game. Oregon is on a mission. They're looking to absolutely hammer everyone they play. I'm taking Oregon. I'm taking the over. I know the 15 is a scary number. The back doors are going to be so wide open in this game. But... Oregon's on a mission right now and they know they have to make an impression with their loss. So they're going to try to make an impression. Um, Over. All right. I got two things on this game. The first is I'm a little tired of the Oregon conversation going on here right now. Oregon has one good win, and it's against Utah with their backup quarterback and a safety playing running back. They got ahead on Utah, and Utah was had no chance to win that game. They screwed around against Stanford and were close in the in the fourth quarter with them. They lost at Washington, not because they're on the road, but because their coach made three bad decisions. Bo Nix on the road isn't the same as he is at home, and I don't trust Lanning or Nix to win two playoff games at neutral sites at all, zero. I will bet against them at one or both those games for sure. And I'm going to bet against them on the Pac-12 title game as well, too, with Washington getting points. If Washington has Jalen McMillan in that game and Michael Penix, who, by the way, got hit hard in the third quarter and cracked his ribs but stayed in the game, uh, they would have beat Oregon by at least 10 points. So uh, I'm a little tired of the Oregon nonsense. I don't buy them. I like USC plus the 15 in this game, and I think USC has a chance to beat them outright. That's right. I said it, and I don't care. My other thing I'm going to do is bring back Coach's Restaurant right now for Alex Grinch. That's the second thing that's going to happen. So Set this up and remind people what the Coach's Restaurant okay. is. Coach's Restaurant was a segment over the last couple of years where we talked about if a coach was to be fired, which restaurant would he be? Um, most suitably employed in, so to speak. We've had 
It started with Scott Frost working at McDonald's because he actually did um, uh, when he was there at Nebraska. We've had some good ones. We've had people working at uh, Long John Silver's inside of a Taco Bell hidden in the back because they're more of an assistant than a head coach. We had a uh, – who was um, the last Auburn coach who um, worked – Chickens. Yeah, we had him working at a catfish restaurant, which was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So that was good. Um, so for Alex Grinch, who has given up so much and is literally, he did the worst possible job possible, but continued to stay open. The only thing I can really compare it to is the worst pizza of all, Domino's Pizza. Now, Domino's is awful and has always been awful. And they do literally the worst job at all of pizza. They're not as good as any of the other chains. They're not as good as any mom and pop place. They're not even, like, like they aren't even as good as gas station pizza. Yet they stay open. They also, based on these commercials I see, continue to give a lot of pizza away. The new commercial I see is for an emergency pizza. So apparently if you ever need a pizza, they'll just send one to you. They're giving pizza away much like how Alex Grinch just gave touchdowns at will to any uh, of any offense who who visited, he gave up. He gave up not. He gave up seven touchdowns in the first half to Joe Burrow and got to keep his job. He gave up over thirty nine three times in a row to that mighty Utah offense and got to keep his job. Literally the worst at his job, yet he kept it forever. The worst ever is Domino's. Side note, I haven't had Domino's since uh, my waiting days in Boston in 2004. So I was curious because I know like 10 years ago or something, I lose track of time, they um, upgraded their recipe. So last weekend I was bored watching college football or whatever, just hungry and watching college football. I said, you know what? I'm going to order a Domino's pizza and girlfriend's like, why? And I said, don't worry about it. I need to see, I haven't had a Domino's in a long time. So place a little online order for pickup, picked up the Domino's, brought it home. And as expected, it was awful. It was truly terrible. Little Caesars, Pizza Hut, Papa John's way better. Any independent place in town, uh, Sal's Red Devil, uh, Gino and Joe's, Sally's, Peppy's, Regina's, it doesn't matter. They're all better. Um, Domino's is atrocious, and yet they make more money than everyone else, like Alex Grinch somehow. So he'll fit in real well at Domino's, slinging out garbage pizza at rock-bottom prices for uh, the rest of his life. So congrats, Alex Grinch. I'm so glad this segment came back for this. And there's one thing you, you sort of touched on but didn't completely get into which is that when Domino's changed the recipe about 10 years ago, they did a whole advertising campaign that basically was like, we know we sucked before, but we're better now. <laughs> trust us. And I, I that, that is literally the off season pitch of USC's defense for the last, definitely mm-hmm. going into this season was like, sure. The, the defense cost <laughs> them a playoff spot last year, but it's better now. This is the different, this is the new recipe USC yeah. defense. And what happens? You're in the bathroom throwing up. That's so Not funny. Great. I act, I also Saturday 
went and got pizza during halftime of the US of the USC Washington game. But I went, however, I went to the mom and pop. I went to Pizza on 40th. Hmm. They had the game on when I went in, but oh, it good. was not, but it was not the game that I was watching. It was Tigres. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mex- Mexican League soccer. I love Mex- it. Every person cooking in the back of that restaurant, which is, by the way, super, super, super tiny. Like, it's like the size of the Little Caesars on Casson Road. Like, that is like, it's so small. And I walk in, and there's like nine dudes all cooking pizzas back there. And every single one of them is literally making pizza dough blind because every single one of them was watching Mexican soccer. It was fantastic. Uh, those guys are super talented that they can sling pies like that while literally not watching what they're doing at all. You know, I find this ironic that last week we talked about how we had the best game of the season or the, you know, the potential highest scoring game of the season with Washington USC and also the potential lowest scoring shittiest game with Northwestern Iowa. And we were talking about the spectrum of college football at that same time, you guys were experiencing the spectrum of pizza, Ryan, with you going into the best pizza in Phoenix and Dan, you eating the worst pizza in the world. So yep, last week was really was about the, you know, experiencing the entire spectrum of life. Yes. Not the best pizza in Phoenix, just a, a place where I could get a cut. I wanted to just get two slices. I didn't want a full pie. I'm All trying right, well, to cut back on that stuff. Your but, pizza uh, was Washington, USC and Dan's pizza was... Iowa Northwestern. Correct. Yeah. Mine was Memphis. Mine mine was actually Memphis South Florida. That was that was mine. Speaking of good pizza, Dan, you've missed a very important game um featuring the pizza capital of America. That's right. Connecticut playing James Madison, undefeated James Madison. Where's the line on this one? 24 and a half. UConn. Oh, what is UConn. this, Dan? Look what came in the mail today. So I still get the Yukon magazine like four times a year. Mm-hmm. And this so who's on the cover? Is it the men's basketball team? Is it the women's basketball team? Is it holiday issue? Nope. nope. It's Jonathan <laughs> Jonathan twenty fifth. The twenty. Wait, there's a new new husky dog. Yeah, there is a new Jonathan. And He's a menacing looking Jonathan. He's got the black rings around his eyes. There's a photo of his first day on campus. There you go. This is the Damn, this is like what I hitting stuff that the, you get. From the all right, let, let me describe this for the listeners. What the the <laughs> fold out you just showed me with two page spread with probably eight pictures all of Jonathan on the two pages. This is quite literally the thing I make of my kids to send my parents every Christmas, <laughs> except it's with the Yukon dog sent to yeah. alumni. I would also like to show you the back five to seven pages is former alumni and what they do now. I've never wrote in to update them on my life, but I am this week. and I, It could be anyone? Issue. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to write in and go, Dan Partridge, uh, economics class of 04, is the host of Take the Points podcast. And that's what I want. Yes. I want to see if I can yes. get it. I want to get it in print 
and just have that and show it to you guys. So I'm going to write in, Oh my much God. like I wrote to the cigarette smoking man, but this time it might actually work. And I'll see if I can get in the an episode for uh, whatever. It'd be really funny to see. I don't give a shit about my career, but I want them to, to know that we do that. People will be like, because there's no chance that they actually spot check it, right? They're not going to be like, I mean, well, they like, I mean, they might Google it to make sure it exists, but they're not going to listen to an episode. Correct. Exactly. So I'm going to put that on there and, uh, I will update you. But anyway, Dan, if anybody from Yukon ever listened to take the point, someone would be at my house with a baseball bat. I know. So yeah. Uh, after this episode, I'm going to sit down on the couch and read this fine literature and see what's going on campus. A lot of Jonathan, apparently, number one star, not uh, Sonogo or Jordan Hawkins or Jim no. Mora Jr. No, Jonathan, Klingon, Jonathan, twenty five. No. Dan, what what are your thoughts not on uh, what's his name? Cooper Flag picking Duke over UConn. It's a bad decision on his part. Well, you know he is from Maine, so there are some strange people up there, and. You know, they say he's incredible, but I, I find it hard to believe now that he doesn't go to UConn, I can rip him, uh, that uh, an all superstar basketball player hails from Maine. I just don't see it. Um, and Duke, let's just be honest, Duke's on the way down, man. They're, Coach K's gone. They're not the same. UConn wins all the titles. He could have stayed in New England. Bad decision on his part, but Maine, man. I just don't see it. It's Maine. The mean streets of Portland. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, the opinion I heard is, you know, no not knowing anything about him. Maybe his personality sucks and he wants to be the, uh, the new hated white guy who goes to Duke. We have one of them on the Phoenix suns now and Grayson Allen. It's, it, it's, uh, it's not ideal. All right. Well, anyway, you're wrong. Cooper flag. I think your name, I don't even know who this guy is. Cooper cup flag. Yes. All right. Ryan, so, uh, so will, will UConn lose by 25 points to a, uh, former D two school or whatever they are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This season's over. It's basketball time. The ladies team has uh what's her name? Pages back from injury. They're all excited. Uh, I believe the men's and women's team both won the title in 04 and in 14, so this being a year that ends in four, you might want to do a UConn men's-women parlay to win the national title. So that's all anything anyone cares about. Jim Mora, wise beyond his years, knew that he could tank in 2023 because the 2024 basketball was on the horizon and no one will remember this football season whatsoever. All right, last game for me, and I just want to hear from you. Your Arizona now ranked 21st. Actually, you hate Arizona, right? But, you know, your home state, Arizona, 21st in the country now, and they go to play Coach Prime in Colorado. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that one. Arizona's good. I mean, last week, taking that money line over UCLA was about the easiest bet of the week. They 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 led the whole game. They dominated UCLA. The quarterback's awesome. They got a good running back, a good number one wide receiver, awesome home field. Fucking Gronkowski was running around like a dickhead the whole time. But besides that, it was a very enjoyable game to watch. Um, but no, man, they're good. And um, they're going to be a problem in the Big 12. I mean, 
the Pac-12 is loaded with a couple big programs, the Oregon, Washington, you know, yada, yada, yada. Big 12 next year without Oklahoma or Texas. I mean, it's wide open. I mean, I think the favorites to win the Big 12 next year are going to be Utah with Cam Rising back, uh, Arizona, and I I don't know who's going to play quarterback in Oklahoma State or if Ollie Gordon comes back. I don't know how this works, but Arizona could could realistically win the Big 12 next year, and I would not be shocked. So maybe a little future bet on them uh, over the summertime. All right, Ryan, Memphis plays Charlotte. 51 is the total. Easy, or is Charlotte going to contribute nothing to this? It doesn't matter. It's here's what here's what Memphis has scored in the last three games. 59, 45, 45. They're totally fine. Charlotte last week beat Tulsa 33-26 in overtime. Uh week before 38-16 lost FAU. It's fine. Charlotte will score like two touchdowns, like somewhere between 14 and 23 points. But Memphis is gonna score 50 on their own. Like fifty, it's it's the easiest bet of the week for me. It's my favorite bet. Fifty one and a half for a team that's averaging forty five a game. Come on. All right, I don't really have any other games I want to talk about. Just wanted to get your guys' takes on all of that. Okay, uh, favorite gift, Tom. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I've been thinking about this. It's a really hard one because I don't have any one memorable gift. I'm going to give you two. Uh, I got video games pretty much every Christmas from the time I was, you know, eight years old till, I don't know, 25 or whatever, whenever I stopped playing video games. Um, And the two gifts that I think were the best were the two non-video games. So the first one was... I got a pair of skis in high school and um, you know, that's a pretty expensive gift for Christmas and I just got rid of them. I'm 42. So that is a gift that lasted me. I'm not good at math, but you know, 16 to 40 years old. I mean, you're talking like a 24 uh, year investment and they're so old that when I took them to get the um, bindings replaced, the ski store was like, uh, legally we cannot touch these because they're so old. They are a hazard and we can be held legally liable if you crash. And so that's how long they lasted. The other one that I always remember, it's not an, it's not an expensive or elaborate gift, but, um, I really wanted a video game of some sort. And instead I got a chess board and, uh, I hadn't like never really played that much chess. And I remember like, being really upset because I was like, this sucks. I got chess and I wanted a video game. And uh, like now as an adult, you know, I know how to play chess. I'm teaching my daughter. Um, You know, it's not like I'm great or anything, but it's like this life skill I've learned. And I've probably used that skill way more than any skill from any video game or anything. So I always look back at that of one that was like almost like a eating your vegetables type gift that, um, meant more to me in the long run than any of the video games that I wanted way more. So those are the two I'm thinking of this on the spot. And I know when we're done here, I'll probably think of an answer that I'm totally forgetting, but um, that's what was good. I'll, one other thing I'll quickly say 
the funniest thing of all time. This is not a good gift, but extremely hilarious. My friends had a um, white elephant party, and my roommate, for some reason, decided to get um, a piece of fish, like like a piece of salmon from the supermarket and uh, wrapped it in Christmas present. And somebody picked it, and by that point, it was already dripping out of the paper, and they opened it up and just had a piece of raw fish. And to me, that's still the funniest thing that anyone's ever done as a gift. So in terms that's of joke good. gifts, that's my favorite. I like that. Ryan? Ryan, any gifts that stand out in your history? Not really Christmas birthday that I can really think of like anything too memorable. The one that's probably the most memorable memorable just because it was such a shit show and 25 years later it's still relevant is my high school graduation present which was Woodstock 99 tickets. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, at the time, that was, uh, you know, it was what it was. It was pretty much a shit show. It was uh, just, yeah, it was wild. It was insane. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, I did it. I'm kind of glad. I would never, ever do it again. But at the same time, I look back and I'm like, well, I had a choice to either go to Woodstock 99 or a three-day fish festival, and I made the wrong decision. Either way, though, the gift itself was, uh, it's paid off. It's paid dividends. It's hilarious when I'm sitting at work in the office and they're playing just all like bad 90s music, and I look up at the 26 year old who sits across from me and I go, saw this band. Yep. Saw them at Woodstock. Yep. Saw them too. Yep. Saw them too. And just looking at the, the looks on these kids faces that are super young and they're like, wait, what you saw all these bands. I'm like, yep. Same show. Okay. Ryan, uh, here's the question. Would you rather travel to three Iowa home games from <laughs> Phoenix or would you rather go to the Woodstock 2024 25th anniversary in Rome, New York this summer with corn with all Limp the same Biscuit, bands now? Same lineup, exact same. Well, like, you know, not like living, DMX, the but living like, well, people, yeah. Well, like a hologram DMX that everyone can still, you know, whatever. Uh, which would you <laughs> rather like, go to? And caught himself like going down a <laughs> yeah. dark road with that one. Yes, I did. Oh, the answer is easy. It's Iowa football. It's not okay. Close. I would three much games. rather I would much rather sit through three Iowa football games oh. than have to go than have to sit through three days of Woodstock '99 over again. Z would rather be in the pit for corn. Either Correct. way, y'all gonna make me lose it. my mind up in here. You would love it either way, Tom. I would. I, I, well, would I would go, go to the. To I would go to the woods. <laughs> One of my greatest regrets in life is not actually going to Woodstock '99 just for comic value. I will I say know. it's funny, like. We've both, both of our gifts involve more of, I guess, the experience that the gift produced than the actual gift itself. And I feel like that's a theme. Like if you're looking for a good gift, if you can get some, some kind of 
thing that creates an experience or a memory or, or something skilled to take with people into life. That's the best kind of gift. Now, Dan, well, I never got a Lexus with a red bow in the driveway. You know, apparently that's very common. I see a lot of commercials about it this time of year, but you know, you never know, happened in my, my life. My wife would, if I just bought a Lexus and then just was like, there's here you go, good, honey. She would there's she'd a good, be like, what the um, fuck are you doing? There's a good um, SNL skit on that where the guy or where he's like, it's Christmas time and there's a Lexus outside and she's like, what are you doing? And it's like, did you buy a Lexus? And he's like, yeah, it was only four thousand. They're like four thousand down, but how much for monthly payments? He's like, "What do you mean monthly payments?" <laughs> and then like their kid comes outside and is like, "Dad, cool, you know, you picked up Alexis." And he's and, and then uh, she's like, "Your father has not worked since March." And he goes, "Well, COVID's <laughs> hit us all hard." And she goes, "March 2019." <laughs> it's really really funny. Yeah, that I mean that would be the reaction from any normal person. Like we have. Two yeah. kids in daycare. What the hell are you doing, you idiot? Yeah, thanks for the $60,000 car. That's what you needed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the gift I was thinking about. So I totally forgot about this. So let me preface this by saying where I live, I get off the highway. And my lane has the right of way. And if you're on the side road, you have to yield to the traffic that's coming. And... I obviously, you know, live in Arizona and I don't want to get shot. So I don't like honk at people, but I occasionally talk to myself in the car and be like, what are you doing? So I said, this happened two days ago. And I said, what the fuck are you doing? This is like, that was a yield sign. I went yield sign. So one year for my birthday, uh, Tom, I have to edit this out so he doesn't get arrested. Tom showed up late to my, to pick me up for my birthday. And he walked in with a cardboard wrapped gift in a shape of a triangle. And that was the yield sign from the street over to commemorate the Pearl Jam album yield that was released in 1998. And I'll never forget your look where you walked into my living room, just holding it underneath your arm. And this giant fucking yield People sign. People don't realize how cardboard. big street signs are. Cause you just Huge. see like from a farm, but a yield sign is like, it's like three foot by three yep. foot. Hillside way. I mean, I never, never I mean, I deny responsibility. This never happened, but I, you know, I've heard this, they're very large. Someone handed it to you and held you at gunpoint to bring it in. Someone else took it off a hillside way, but yeah, I totally forgot about you giving me the yield sign until some guy cut me off uh, two days ago driving for blowing through a yield sign. And I was like, yield. And I'm like, yield. Tom Z, wait a minute. And then I, I literally forgot about it. For as I, years. as I recall, no, I, I also, um, so you, you know, went on the 1998 internet and printed out a picture of Eddie Vedder from like a live performance of given to fly and taped the little picture of Eddie on the yield sign. You did. Or, and you it know, was, uh, it was, this never happened, but hypothetically, that's what I would have done. If I, if I, sign, as OJ would say, if I did it, I had that thing for a while too. Like it was in my like house, like in grad school. So like it was up in multiple dorm rooms in Connecticut and then in like houses in Boston. So it, uh, it lasted for a while. And then I don't remember what happened. Like at one point I had to throw out a yield sign, which is totally <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but it's just sticking out of your recycling bin. Yep. Like you, what's you that? recycle like, that or you trash that? 
It's metal. So yeah, recycle that. Good. So thanks, Tom. I really enjoyed that gift. No problem. That's that's pretty funny, guys. I also have a street sign uh, in storage at my parents. Uh, I have the street of the street sign of the street I grew up on that my parents still live on, uh, Camillus Drive. Uh, that is sitting on a in the parent my parents' basement. They have like a corner, and like basically, I have a I have like a pallet that's just stacked with shit of mine that for some reason I never brought to Arizona and they never got rid of. It's just kind of sitting there for no apparent reason. But yes, in that pile is a Camillus drive street sign. However, I can say that freely because I didn't steal it. It blew off during the Labor Day storm of 98 and I just recovered it and kept it. So I didn't steal it. I didn't break it, do anything illegal. Uh, Mother Nature did its job, and I uh, just held on to it. Well, I never did anything of the sort, and this podcast is a a fictional story. Like most true crime stories, it's Mm -hmm. completely made up. But anyway, that is very funny, that hypothetical story you told, Dan. Very good. Good times. All right, I want to – I know we're late, but I want to – end with a little more sports talk, two more minutes. I want to hear from you guys. I am the known NBA uh, haters too strong because I don't really care, but I'm the NBA disliker of the podcast. Don't care about the NBA at all. But uh, from what I gather, this Victor Wenbeyana is uh, maybe the greatest player ever. And Dan, you saw him in person. So how good is this kid who's apparently played for what, two weeks now? Are we looking at I mean, the greatest player ever or what? Well, I mean, everything is going to depend on his health, but the sky's the limit. He has all the physical tools. He's 7'5", seven, 7'6". Seven, Seeing him in person is kind of unique because he can like just put his hand up near the rim and no one can stop it. It's, it's kind of remarkable. Can he dunk um, without jumping? Oh, yeah, no problem. So he's really tall. He's fluid. He can shoot. Um, plays amazing defenses. Like he swat shots from way far away. So as long as his knees and ankles hold up, he should be, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he should be a top 20 player of all time. Um, and that's, you know, uh, kind of a low floor ranking. I mean, what if he wins seven titles? I mean, I don't know. I mean, people are, are really going to want to go play with him. You know, I think San Antonio will sign free agents to go play alongside him. So, so far he's lived up to the hype and that's not easy to do where everyone gets exaggerated in basketball. Um, And there's usually some sort of learning curve. I mean, if you look at the other guys drafted in the top three, Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, they're not having amazing starts to the year. I mean, Scoot's been terrible, but if you ask anybody four months leading up to the draft, they said he's the next big thing and he still could be great, but for Wemby to be this good, this fast is ridiculous. I mean, I saw him put up 35 points in person, and I'm like, he's, what, 18, 19 years old? I mean, he's not going to hit his peak for 10 years. So as long as he can uh, stay healthy, sky's the limit. Seems like we're moving into a new era, right? I mean, LeBron's got to be retiring somewhat soon. You know, Steph Curry is going to start to decline at some point. So 
he yep. might not only will he be great, but he's not going to have to play against a lot of the guys who are currently the best in the league. He will be part of the new crop that's the best in the league with like uh, SGA and some other players. So I don't know. We'll see. Ryan, what do you think? Will he be the greatest player of all time or simply the 20th greatest player of all time? He has a chance to be way, way, way up there. Um, you know, greatest of all time. I don't know about greatest of all time. Does he have a chance to be a top 10 all time, top 20 all time? 100%. 100%. He's seven foot five with an eight foot wingspan. He handles a ball like a point guard. He shoots step back threes. I mean, he blocked Clay Thompson on a three pointer. Clay Thompson has the fastest release in the history of basketball, I swear. And nobody blocks his shot. And Wemby blocked his three. It's he can be special, man. He can be very, very special. It's just gonna take a little bit of time and a little bit of luck with health. But dude, he's a he's a freak. He's a complete freak. Let me ask you guys a hypothetical question. What would somebody have to do? What would a hypothetical player have to do to be considered the greatest basketball player of all time over Jordan, over LeBron? Is it even possible? Or is that like a rock band being better than the Beatles? Like it, it's not even allowed on the scale anymore. I mean, it's possible. I mean, what if the NBA's a league for the next 500 years? We've only seen 40 years of it. I mean, just the math on that says there will be somebody. It's a little different now with free agency. Um, and people moving around and like kind of players trying to optimize what they want, but there's no reason to think someone won't be born when, you know, 10 championships, um, and score 50 points a game. I, I don't know. I mean, scoring's up now with the three point line more than ever. So it's possible someone averages 40 points a game and wins 10 championships. I mean, it's not impossible when you look at it like from a math perspective. So that's, that's where I come from on this. You think our generation will have to kind of fade away so that, Jordan, you know, a younger generation might not consider Jordan the greatest ever. It seems too ingrained in people our age. Like I can't imagine ever thinking anyone's better yeah. than Michael Jordan, no matter what they do. But a kid, probably, yeah. my daughter probably wouldn't care about Michael Jordan that much. As she shouldn't. Right. Screw Jordan. Screw him. Bronze the goat. Kiss my ass. I kind of agree. What makes you say that as a non-basketball fan? It's the total career. I mean, look what look what he's still doing at 39 years old. Like it's just it's a total career, total player too as far as like rebounds, assists, steals, making the right plays all the time, never ever getting like no controversy, no bullshit, like perfect teammate, perfect coach on the floor. Like I just, I just think he's, he's done everything right. And I just think he, the way he play, I love the way he plays. All right. LeBron James, the greatest player ever. You heard it here, folks. We're right about everything else. So listen to us here. Actually, I don't have an opinion. I'm, I guess because I don't really watch basketball. To me, it's just like, oh, Michael Jordan, the Beatles. Like, you know, certain people are just ingrained. I'm, I'm biased because honestly, like if I had to like actually like think about it, I, I would say my favorite athlete of all time is probably LeBron James. 
at this point in my life, like for how long I've been rooting for him for literally half of my life. Like I was 21, a senior in college, the year he was drafted in the NBA. And I've been rooting for him ever since. This is I'm where 42. I'm 42. Yeah. This is where I'm the wrong person to ask. Cause I'd be like, yo, my favorite athlete of all time. Uh, could John a Carter. No, it would have been like Jim Kelly, most likely, you know, um, yeah. something like that. But like thinking about it, like, no, I've rooted for LeBron James for 21 straight years. Like, and if you count, you know, the year I watched him on ESPN in high school, you know, you're talking over that now. So like over 20 years, I've been like following this guy like hard and he's the best. He's just, he's amazing. All right. I think that's a beautiful note to end the show on. Thank you for listening to this extremely long, but also extremely good episode of take the points college football podcast as the season winds down. We just go, we don't want to give it up. We just go longer and longer. All right. Enjoy the games. We will be back next week with another episode for week 12. Bye.